going on guys welcome to train of thought today i have with me a couple of buddies of mine and we're going to be discussing the rail industry in logistics so my name is harris i'm destiny and i'm trent and i'll just go ahead and start us off here destiny i have a question for you and this is really we're going to start towards the beginning of american history what are some examples of first passenger railroads in the United States? So um, the Baltimore and Ohio Railway were actually built in 1827. So that was a year later from the Granite Railway. Uh, these railways were the first carriers of passengers and freight. Uh, the goal of the ba Baltimore and Ohio Railway was to link 13 great states with nations. So along the, because that goal, they had that goal, there were some frustrations, um, which was one of them being there, they were being blocked by the state of Pennsylvania, which caused the railway to have to cut through Maryland and Western Virginia. Uh, the railway was built to compete with New York merchants and the Erie Canal for a trade to the West. Also, uh, the Baltimore and Ohio Railway transported soldiers during the Civil War and it transported food to the federal armies. Um, if they weren't able to do that, if they were not able to transport the food, then the soldiers would have starved, which brings us to the Confederate and Union Railroads. Well, that's pretty interesting. So uh, tell me how did the Civil War affect and shape the railroads? And how were the railroads utilized by both the Union and the Confederacy? That's a great question, Harris. So like by the 19, or the 1850s, sorry, there was an enormous growth in the railroads. The centers for the railroads were in Chattanooga, Atlanta, and Richmond. Around 1863, uh, the Southern railroads started to deteriorate, deteriorate uh, while many of the railroad employees headed north to join the Union War. Uh, cotton was also a major shipment for railroads. Um, people used to make, uh, used cotton to make their clothes, just like you and I wear and it was used to make the soldiers' uniforms as well. So the Southern Railroads imported iron from England, but when the war started, the Union blockade shut off supplies that were being transported. Because of the war, railroad employees were sent into the war, which caused a shortage in railroad employees. So this caused the railroads not to be able to run or operate, and the employees could not maintain them, which was why they were deteriorating. And then the Union troops destroyed the railroads by pulling them up and heating them until they could not bend. So a big topic that comes up when talking about rail in the United States is the Transcontinental Railroad. So what exactly was the Transcontinental Railroad? Well, Trent, since you asked, the Transcontinental Railroad was linked from the United States from the east to the west. Around 1850, California discovered gold. And gold was discovered because the first settlers started moving westwards in the United States. The Confederacy had less than half of the railroads that the Union had, so the railroad gave the Confederates the victory of the war. And because the war started in around 1861, the Manassas Gap Railroad was already built, which allowed the Confederate Army to arrive to the battle on time. And the ideas that the military used was changed because of the, the transportation of railroads. So since we talked about the different kinds of railroads, 
Harris, can you tell me who were the major names in the development and control of the 19th and 20th century railroads? Sure, Destiny. So there's this guy, his name was John Pierpont Morgan, also known as J.P. Morgan, and he was one of the most powerful bankers around this time. Um, around 1837 and 1913, he financed railroads and also he helped with the U.S. Steel General Electric and other major corporations during this time. Uh, J.P. Morgan and Company was founded in 19, or excuse me, 1895 with, uh, he had a partner, Anthony Drexel. And he played a major role in influencing and in help stabilizing American financial markets during several, several economic crises, including the panic of uh, 1907. <clears throat> during the mid around during the mid 19th century the nation's first continental railroad transcontinental railroad was completed around 1869 the railroad industry was booming around this time and experienced over expansion and intense competition morgan became involved in reconstructing and strengthening handfuls of money hurting railroads these railroads were going bankrupt and needed an easy way out so he ended up controlling large parts of these railroad stocks by buying them up it's estimated at one point he uh, controlled a sixth of the american railroads so you mentioned jp morgan who exactly was vanderbilt and how did he help shape the modern railroad good question man uh so vanderbilt uh cornelius vanderbilt He's more famously known as Commodore Vanderbilt. He was one of the richest man, uh, men in the U.S. Uh, around this time. He started from nothing and had a journey all the way up to the top to his empire of wealth. In 1810, he also got a loan from his parents around this time when he was very uh, when he was younger. It was a hundred dollar loan, and he used that hundred dollars to purchase a ferry. To start his own freight business. This freight company, they transported passengers and freight services between Staten Island and New York. His ferry service during this time, or ferry services during this time, they were very uh, competitive and stuff, so he had to make his business stand out. So he offered cheaper traveling rates, or cheaper traveling rates than other uh, freight services. And some as little as 18 cents per trip. His ferry business was also successful. Um, it was so successful, I'm sorry, that he paid back the loan that he borrowed from his parents within a year. And on top of that, he ended up paying his parents a thousand more dollars um, after that first year. And they shared the profits between them two. In 1829, he started another freight and passenger service um, around the peak skill Hudson River in New York City. Eliminating the competition, this is where he uh, started, uh, expanded, started expanding his service in Albany, places like New York, um, Long Island, Sound, um, the Providence, and I, um, I believe uh, Connecticut, uh, Connecticut as well. In 1840, he had 100 steamships and was noted one of the biggest employers in the U.S. 1860 came around. Vanderbilt took an interest in an interest in a new concept of transportation. This uh, new concept was rail. So 
basically he after taking this interest in rail he started uh focusing on the purchasing of existing railways uh, railways around the u.s instead of just constructing new ones this uh that this will make uh this made him like save money and save time and so he wouldn't have to uh con um because time was a uh, of the essence during this uh, time period um a few years later in 1867 he acquired the central railroad and merged it with other railways and other properties that he had previously owned vanderbilt focused on the improvement of service and upgrading capital equipment while keeping loads fairly fair Eventually, the merge happened between all the purchased railways into what is known as the New York Central Railroad. He earned around 25 million in the first five years from this railway, but also his son, William Henry Vanderbilt, convinced his father to expand the rail service towards Chicago. He purchased the Lakeshore and Michigan Railway, the Michigan, I believe, the, the Michigan Southern, the Canadian Southern, and the Michigan Central Railroad, giving birth to large, uh, giving birth to the largest American system of railways transportation of this area. So Harris, since you told us about Vanderbilt and um, so Harris, since you told us about Cornelius Vanderbilt and J.P. Morgan, can you answer this question for me? How did the Panic of 1893 affect the railroad industry? Sure, Destiny. So the Panic of 1893 started a depression in the U.S. that lasted in, well into the uh, 1897. Factors causing this depression um, have been money supply shortages, a uh, European depression was going on during this time, and the Sherman Silver Purchase Act that caused a negative impact to the nation's credit. The Philadelphia and Reading Railroad was one of the largest one of the largest employers in the U.S. at this at this time, and was potentially was the one of the factors that caused this great panic of 1893. A bad a bad business decision made by the president Archambald Angus McLeod extended the company's credit too far, and this isolated J.P. Morgan, their largest financer causing the reading to become insolvent and started a devastating market collapse. Stock mark, the stock market crashed resulting in over 15,000 businesses closing with unemployment rates between 20%, 25%. This, is, this includes businesses like big time banks, railroads, steel mills, affecting these more so than other businesses. The, pack, the panic of 1893 lasted until 1897 causing homelessness to rise unemployable unpayable mortgage rates uh starvation undoubtedly devastating the economy of the late 1900s well we're getting a lot of good information about uh the railways so trent i have a question for you can mm -hmm. you give a short explanation of the history of freight railroads in the united states what are the defining factors in this account history yeah, following the end of World War I, the United States Railroad saw a steady decline due to the increase in competition from other modes of transportation like cars and an increase in legislation. The Staggers Rail Act of 1980 
allowed for the resurgence of the American rail system. Rail companies responded to this by increasing productivity, lowering costs and rates of operations, and increasing the amount of money reinvested into the industry. So up until the 1980s and the Staggered Rail Act, there was no substantial help from the United States government. The railroads were almost completely ruined in the 1970s. So Trent, uh, you say that the railroads were almost completely ruined in the 1970s. Do you uh, mind explaining that to me, what yeah. happened in the 1970s? Yeah, of course not. So freight railroads were taking a huge amount of loss in the 70s, mostly through passenger services that they were trying to offer, but they haven't necessarily been perfected yet. With roughly $850 million of losses in today's money, it's really no surprise that most of the major railroads would go bankrupt within this decade. Between 1970 and 1979, the rail industry had an average rate of return of only 2%. This rate of return is abysmal for any industry, let alone one that has a higher risk of carrying an and a high operating cost. The lack of return led to improper maintenance on the railroads, and the poor track conditions from the improper maintenance made train operators operate at decreased speeds, leading to less efficiency. In 1978, the Department of Transportation acknowledged these poor conditions, and this would lead to regulatory changes within the decade and at the end of the decade. Going into the 1980s, however, is a different story. The future of the rail industry was in the hands of the United States government, and Congress really had a choice to make. The options were either nationalization of the railroads at the cost of billions of dollars, or a change in regulations that have plagued the industry for the past two decades. The choice was really obvious, and this would lead to the Staggers Rail Act in 1980. The act would recognize the intense competition of the rail industry and would give them more freedom in the choices made within their own industry. Today, there are maximum rates set by the Surface Transportation Board, but the act still gave an abundance of freedom to the once struggling industry. So I would like to know what has happened after the 1980s in the rail industry, Trent? Yeah, so from 1981 to 2018, rates have almost doubled, meaning that a shipper can ship nearly twice as much freight for the same price they paid over 35 years ago. This improvement in the cost of shipping has also saved the average consumer more. Railroads of today operate almost exclusively on the infrastructure that is owned and maintained by themselves. This is really different from any competing form of transportation, which operate on things like highways, airports, and waterways, which are all taxpayer-funded and government-owned. Recent advancements in the technology and operating procedures of the rail industry makes trains three to four times more efficient than trucks, getting an average of 473 miles per gallon. Well, that's all the time we have today, folks. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to our Train of Thought podcast. Um, we'll see you next time.